question I get a lot is like, how do I start shadow work? And it's like, yeah, how do you start to get to know a part of you that you're unconscious to? If it's so shadowy and I'm not conscious to it, how the heck do I begin to work on it? So whether it's because it's uncomfortable or just really not clear, shadow work is just not something that we do. And this is, you know, often a society we're not taught to. And I would say up until a few years ago in the spiritual space, we never talked about this. This is where you hear people like, oh, everything's all love and light. It's like, yeah, love and light is important, but that's only a part of it, right? Like we need to acknowledge everything. Welcome to Cosmic Rx Radio, a podcast that gives you real-life tools of spiritual empowerment and pure hype. I'm your host and intuitive guide, Maddie Murphy. I'll be serving up your weekly energy readings, cosmic boss interviews, and astro inspiration. Are you ready to love yourself more, manifest your dream life, and own your magic? Let's jump in. Hello, my cosmic baddies, and welcome back to another episode of Cosmic Rx Radio. I am your host, Maddie Murphy, your cosmic consultant here to just translate what's going on up there in the stars with the celestial bodies in the cosmos and how it affects you down here on earth and how you can work with it to align with your highest and hottest self. Today's episode is one of our solo coaching episodes. This is where I take a concept that I would work on with my clients or my students and, you know, something to think about, something to chew on, something to digest, integrate, embody during the zodiac season we're in. Every zodiac season, we pick a mindset tip, a spiritual practice, and some sort of embodiment technique to align with whatever zodiac sign the sun is currently in. So it's Scorpio season. So we're going to be talking about shadow work. Shadow work is all three of those, actually. It is mindset, it's spirituality, it's it's a spiritual practice, and it is embodiment. I'm going to talk about it from the mindset approach today. I'm very excited to talk about it. It's one of my, I would say, most activating. When I work on it, how do I say this? When I do shadow work with my clients, I'll be, you know, working with them for months, um, some of my mentoring clients. And when we get to the shadow work part, let's say like two months in, a month and a half in, it's where I see like the biggest light bulb go off or the biggest clicking, the most ahas, like everything falling into place. And that's always like the pivotal moment where I really see people getting in alignment with their own power. It's like, yep, oh, here I am. Oh, I, I forgot there for a second. This is what I needed to hear to connect back into it. So we're going to talk about what is shadow work? Why do we do it? What are the benefits of it? How do I begin to meet and identify my unique shadow self? And of course, how can I begin to take steps to heal, integrate, and come into a place of oneness, unity, wholeness, integrity with my shadow so I can truly live like the fullest, freest version of myself. 
So we're going to talk about that. We're doing this in honor of Scorpio season. Scorpio is ruled by Pluto, also ruled by Mars, depending on like the ancient and the modern ruler. I use both. And Scorpio season is all about like the time to here in the Northeast of the United States and the Northern Hemisphere, the weather is cooling down. The leaves are turning a beautiful, brilliant, you know, flaming reds, orange, yellows, golds, and then they're going to turn brown and everything's going to begin to die and fall away so we can make space for what's next. And Scorpio season is a lot about death, death to self, death to old cycles, transformation, shedding of the skin, snake medicine. It's also a very, it's like Phoenix energy rising from the ashes. And Scorpio energy is really fearless. It's like, let's go there. Let's go into the deep, dark places and be a badass and go retrieve the parts of us that were left behind or hiding or didn't think it was safe, you know, to come out and and be. I love it. It's fearless. It's warrior work. Scorpio energy to me is mm, chef's kiss. It's sexy. It's intense. It's deep. It's powerful. It's potent. It is not for the faint of heart. And that's why I just live for it. So if you're listening to this and it's Scorpio season, great. This is like the sun is shining a filter through Scorpio energy. So you're feeling it. It's like a cosmic wave we're riding of this energy. So we're going to see that this time of year, we're going to feel a little more support awareness to do this. And it's sort of setting us up to live in more alignment for the rest of the year. I always say the zodiac season is like your solar panel, solar, the sun, you're charging up with one of these gifts, these lessons, and it'll really help you be more you for the next year, another arrow in your quiver, another tool in your tool belt. But if you're listening to this and it's not Scorpio season, no worries. This is obviously good information all year long. But specifically, you can look at where you have Scorpio in your chart to understand what area of your life may be positively affected or what part of yourself you can learn more about through diving into your shadow and to shadow magic. So for instance, if it's your fourth house, it may be okay, like you're here to do some deep shadow work around family and home and family systems which will then unlock beautiful blessings, abundance, unforeseen amounts of treasures in your home and with your family and your sense of security. So, you know, if you have Scorpio in your 10th house, you might have some shadow work to do around career, around your public image, around ambition or desire, or around maybe like patriarchal influences or your father or the masculine line in your family. And then by unlocking that and understanding and integrating, you might actually be here to do some sort of shadow work in your career or to help other people transform or to help other people come back to themselves in some way. So those are just some examples, but listening to this in the season has a certain potency, but then listening to this as a way of like understanding and really taking intentional time 
uh, with part of your chart is also really powerful. So I'm not gonna I'm not gonna do mailbag today. I'm gonna jump in, and this is why shadow work. If you happen to find this, and because you like search for shadow work in the Apple Podcast or Spotify, wherever you listen to this, you might be like, I need some information on shadow right now. And I love doing the mailbag. I love all my announcements, but I kind of want to dive in today. It must be that Scorpio energy, like the diving right in, diving deep. Like, let's just cut to the chase. Scorpios don't really like small talk, the chit chat. So I feel like if you were led here, you just want to dive in. So let's talk about, first of all, what the heck does shadow work even mean? So many, many, many explanations, definitions of your shadow self. And a lot of this work of shadow work is based on the research, writings, methodologies, studies of Carl Jung. Okay. And we're going to get into something really meta here right now because, you know, Carl Jung really quote unquote coined the term, the shadow self. And it really is just used to describe any unconscious part of our personality that our conscious ego doesn't want to identify in itself. And it's something like our darker, you know, more hidden, I don't even want to use the word darker. I don't like that. The more hidden parts of ourselves that we repress, ignore, loathe, feel shame over. And it's something almost like an invisible bag of all of our bullshit that we carry around. Now, a lot of our shadow, we can see it manifest to projection, which I'm going to talk about, but I just want to take a side note here because everyone talks about the analytical psychologist, Carl Jung, who obviously developed Jungian psychology, that he coined this term and he talked about stepping to the deepest portals of the psyche and blah, blah, blah. And I last summer was actually asked to write a book about shadow work and astrology. And it was a cool opportunity, but it felt not really aligned because it wasn't really that I wanted to start this podcast. I wanted to do a few other things first and something about it felt off. And truly one of the things that I realized that I had been quoting a lot of Carl Jung and, you know, his work is great, but then I started to pull on a little thread and I realized that I found some research that Carl Jung, Mr. Shadow Work, actually may have stolen a lot of his work from a Russian physician who was a woman, one of the first female psychoanalysts. And in addition to that, there was just some problematic, let's just call it behavior on his part towards her and a few other of his female patients. So yeah, it was just like a lot to kind of process that like, okay, this work is, is really important. I actually really admire people who practice union therapy, psychology. I'm like, wow, it's very fascinating. It, it clicks. And so much of Jung's work was really based in the occult or he took into account archetype work, um, reference to tarot that it said that his personality theory contributed to the Myers-Briggs inventory that he coined the term like uh, introvert, extrovert, collective unconscious. So there's a lot there, but I just thought it was very, I don't know, maybe Alanis Morissette, a little ironic that the number one person that I referenced and most people reference for shadow work 
had some 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 deep deep of their own shadow work to go through. So that was my little aside about Carl Jung. Back to shadow work. I just want to have that disclaimer, and there's probably more information about him, but I just wanted to honor that because so many of these quote unquote great minds from history were just people who stole other people's ideas or were louder or got there first or you know, had the idea in the package of the white, straight, cisgendered man. That's just my little disclaimer, okay? About Carl Jung. Back to shadow and what it means for you. So the shadow is personifies everything that you don't want to acknowledge about yourself, okay? And usually you know, your shadow starts with like a mask or a persona that you begin to put on. You begin to figure out at a very young age what are the behaviors and actions and, uh, you know, words that are acceptable by your family of origin, your primary caretakers, your social groups, society at large, what's accepted and then what's not accepted. And you begin to, as you guess, like put the stuff that's not accepted in that bag, I talked about the bag you're carrying behind you. But the thing is, it's not just a bag. It actually is a part of you. And it's a part of you that dwells nebulously and in a subconscious way below the surface of our inner existence, below the surface of what the outside world sees, below the surface of what we even want to see about ourselves that influences our actions and colors our perspective and imbues our experiences. It's the stuff that we feel in our nightmares and our fears and our deepest seated limiting beliefs and insecurities. And it creeps through into our conscious life. It creeps in and sometimes it creeps in like a trickle of self-sabotage. And sometimes it's just a tidal wave of complete undoing. So you can begin to be like, okay, that sounds kind of intense, Maddie. It is. It's amazing to look at this part of ourselves, but um, it's not easy. It's amazing, like the results that happen and how you begin to feel. But there's a reason why a lot of people don't do it. It's uncomfortable. You have to really look at all of your shit and you have to sit with it and like look directly into it. But it's also hard because a question I get a lot is like, how do I start shadow work? And it's like, yeah, how do you start to get to know a part of you that you're unconscious to, <laughs> right? Like if it's so shadowy and I'm not conscious to it, how the heck do I begin to work on it? So whether it's because it's uncomfortable or just really not clear, shadow work is just not something that we do. And this is, you know, often a society we're not taught to. And I would say up until a few years ago in the spiritual space, we never talked about this. This is where you hear people like, oh, everything's all love and light. It's like, yeah, love and light is important, but that's only a part of it, right? Like we need to acknowledge everything, everything within us. We need to acknowledge we all have some things in us that we feel are icky. We feel are not worthy of love. We have mistakes we think we did that fucked up our life forever. We have patterns and behaviors that we just would be so embarrassed if anybody knew about, or even worse, we would just 
you feel a blanket of shame over the idea of people seeing that part of us. But the truth is we all have it. And the true work of being a spiritual person is to integrate all of it, not to bring those more uncomfortable parts of ourselves to not make, you know, just to let them run free and, you know, not be like, oh, whatever. I'm just living my truth. You know, it's like, okay, well, we have to figure out how do we integrate and invite our shadow to the table in a way that honors ourselves and others and helps us live with integrity and awareness and accountability over ourselves? Because a shadow self that's unchecked can, like one of those things like anger is healthy, but we're taught that anger is not healthy. So we suppress it. And then it comes out in moments of rage, blowups, even violence in moments especially to catch us off guard. And it's like, well, that's not a healthy expression, integration of our shadow. I just want to make that distinction. So back to, you know, how do we begin to find our shadow and tap into it? So I'm just going to back up for a second and remind us that one of the driving forces to begin to understand your shadow self is the universal truth that every human, including you listening to this, is born whole, meaning you're whole, you're full, everything you need is within you. There is an innate worthiness, an innate ability to understand that you are worthy of love. But then we begin to be conditioned slowly to think that we need something outside of ourselves to feel whole. A perfect job, a romantic partner, certain amount of money, a certain level of success. But the truth is, is that like wholeness is innate. It comes from within and we are born with a feeling of being so connected to ourselves and so connected to something bigger. It's just that wholeness is short-lived. The expectations and judgments we internalize from others happens at a young age because we are relationally dependent beings. We learn about ourselves and we crave and need relationships with other people. And so as children, we feel that deeply and we're being socialized from a really young age. And I would say that the beginning of your shadow usually is formed, I would say, when a moment of your inner child and you actually being a child, when one of three things happened, three stories, you know, you were, you perceived something of the, one of these three stories happening around you. One, feeling unsafe, physically unsafe in your body, in your emotions. Two, feeling that you were, didn't belong, like that you weren't, you didn't have a, a community clan, you know, you're a part of something. And that could be anything from being, you know, left out of something, teased for something, or you didn't understand your space in a family or friend dynamic. And the third memory or moment would be that you feel like something about you is inherently not worthy of love, meaning that someone that you thought was here to protect you and care for you, that you fell out of grace in their eyes. So that could be anything from a parent you know, yelling out of you or disappointing you. So basically not feeling safe, not feeling like you belong and not feeling like you're enough just in who you are. And I just want to honor, like if you are someone who 
wants to be in shadow work, but you also know that you have some traumas or you suspect you do, I would do this work. I would recommend, highly recommend doing this with trauma-informed counselors, therapists, psychotherapists, someone who's really trained in a mental health practitioner who takes trauma into account to guide you through this. Because like I said, you're going into some deep part of your recesses of your brain, your mind, of your soul. And yeah, why not? Like shadow work's intense. Okay. So that's my disclaimer, (laughs) multiple disclaimers on this episode. So talking, you know, back to shadow, these three memories, why it's so significant when you're little, when you're young, like I said, you're learning so much about yourself relationally, and you're really like this blank canvas when you're younger. So those first few splotches of paint, those first few marks on the canvas, you're going to feel them a lot, right? Versus the older you get, things happen to you and they just sort of pile on that that canvas. But those first few marks, they are significant. And it's like right in that moment that we decide that we're not safe, that we don't belong, that we're not enough. We immediately just change something in our behaviors and our actions. We change a story around us that it's not safe to do the initial behavior that somehow got us there. So if you were upset as a child in the grocery store because you were uncomfortable or you wanted something that you couldn't have, you're frustrated, you couldn't communicate, and you ended up having a temper tantrum, quote unquote, and maybe know the person you're with, father, grandmother, like yelled at you and scolded you, maybe spanked you in the grocery store, you're just having this reaction to anger and the mixture of feeling unsafe in that moment, not feeling you know, worthy of love, maybe not feeling belonging, feeling like completely and utterly shamed and unsafe is going to create something within you that's going to say, it is not safe for me to feel angry. Wow. So I'm never doing that again not feeling angry, like that is unsafe, that is not rewarded, that is the opposite of rewarded. But again, it's not like this is a conscious, super well thought out thing. You're like two or three, but you just put away that part of you that has that emotion, that part of you that is angry and the part of you that understands that you just had to be angry. You you tuck it away, you put it in that bag or you kind of slice off a part of your soul and be like, nope, it's not safe for you to come out part of your personality. So we disown this part of ourselves. We fragment off the shadow, right? But then it's still there. Like there's still the shadow. We like cut it off. We tuck it away, but it still exists. And almost like it's trying to get our attention again. That part of us that we disown starts to have all of the the parts of ourselves that we don't feel like are worthy. So we tuck them away, but they're bursting to get out of us because they're still a part of us. And they come out, like I said, and they can really manifest as self-sabotage, self-eliminating, or even self-harming behaviors. And like that anger analogy, it's like, okay, well, yeah, you're going to think that I have to ignore, suppress, repress any part of me that has anger. But anger is just a part of your innate wholeness of who you are. We were born with the connection to anger. And just because you weren't taught a way to express that, in a way that's healthy and not hurting anyone, that doesn't mean that there's something fundamentally wrong with you, right? We just tell ourselves that. We tell ourselves this story that there's good and bad, you know, acceptable and not. But 
unconscious, subconscious part of you that's angry, it's going to manifest in some weird way. It's going to manifest as maybe being passive aggressive, or it's going to come out maybe after you've been drinking, or it's going to, you're going to unleash some road rage on someone or scream at your own children one day. Or of course, we learn a lot about our shadow through, like I said, projections. You're going to maybe be really accuse people or really judge people who are always angry and losing their temper. Those are going to be the people that piss you off the most. The people who you see your shadow in, it's going to get under your skin like nothing else because it's just mirroring back to you the part of you that you don't want to acknowledge. And then again, you're also cutting off. And this is the big thing about shadow work. It's not only just looking at all of this. It's like within that anger that you're not letting yourself feel. I want you to imagine there's like a kaleidoscope, vivid tapestry of depth, of creativity, of intelligence, of intuition, of feeling alive, all tapped up in that thing that you're repressing, that you're locked away. So when you invite your shadow and the you know emotions and behaviors and qualities and traits that you cut off and fragmented, when you invite it back into your life, when you make a seat at your table for your shadow, you're also unlocking, like I, I call this work shadow magic, because you're unlocking you know, more self-awareness, more confidence, more authenticity, creative potential, usually strengthening your intuition. It improves your personal relationships. And like I said, we're relational beings, so that's very fulfilling. Um, It can also enhance your mental energy, your physical vitality. You begin to really understand yourself as an individual and what your superpowers are. And again, it taps into worthiness, resiliency, flexibility, awakening to your power. You can tap into ancestral healing with this. Generational curses, trauma being cleared, lifted, healed. And really you get to tap into the full expression of your highest truth, okay? So there's so much to tap into by doing this work and you you fully, fully integrate. So thinking about where do we start? How do we begin? First of all, I would just think about some of the in books and textbooks about this, they reference the shadows, not just born once. It's not a one-time thing. Again, it's part of the socialization. It's the alternate persona uh, we create to the outside world. And, you know, we, we look for the positive feedback loop that reinforces and condones, you know, certain beliefs and behaviors. So the shadow is, is not just born once. It's not just born in your childhood. It's really built like for roughly the first 20 years or so. That's why I think another funny reason the Saturn return is so intense because it does, especially like your nodal opposition the year before your Saturn return, it's like you definitely are confronted with some of the coping mechanisms or false realities or personas or masks you've created as they come like toppling down on you. So in this, you know, like the bag, the shadow, what that menagerie might feel like are things that are, you know, what's undesirable, quote unquote, what's primitive, primal, chaotic emotions in our society. I said rage, envy, laziness, greed, anything about our sexuality and our bodies and our carry a lot of shadow for us you know, be it selfish, quote unquote, having any sort of desire, being engaged in any sort of power struggle, 
feeling like messy in any way, feeling too emotional, like too sensitive. I'm trying to think of things that are just like you know, the things that we tend to judge other people for. And the things that especially in, you know, I always got to bring it back to sort of traditional Western Christianity. A lot of like, you know, these things are sins. There are sins in the Bible. There's the seven deadly sins. And the thing is that like, there's this doctrine of original sin with like the biblical myth of Adam and Eve and their fall from Greece. But it really like, it's kind of told this story this secular religious cultural obsession with like this constant need to prove or validate one's existence and worth. And, you know, that those parts of us are inherently shameful and we need to hate that part of ourselves and bury it deep within versus this constant feeling of having to atone for our sins and that we don't, you know, we're not worthy of the healing we got and it's grace. And, and so there's this very like woven so deeply into our society we can't even be aware of it just like the air we breathe we're taught to really resist our inherent darkness and to not acknowledge it at all whatsoever because then we are acknowledging that we are sinful and we are flawed and when we don't embrace accept listen to the part of ourselves yeah we become self-loathing self-sabotaging people at best, at worst, we become abusive or manipulative, uh, violent sociopaths all the way up the end of the spectrum because we're not acknowledging that there's just in every one of us, we have parts of us that are chaotic, are wild, are raw. Just mean like we have a lot of that, again, that societal relational conditioning. And, you know, the same thing, all that those Christian teachings and really pervades a lot of Western society and culture, even if you're not quote unquote religious and a lot of the new age, you know, teachings for the past, like, I don't know, 20 or 30 years really place this overemphasis on enlightenment and not focusing on negative or low vibration thoughts. And you're manifesting negativity by thinking of that. And we just want to transcend and transmute. We don't want to talk about uncomfortable things and, just love and light and just motivational quotes and um, you know, just think happy thoughts. It really you know, bypasses over ourselves as a human and our wholeness. It bypasses over the things that are uncomfortable or problematic or heavy things that we really need to address collectively or individually. And this quote-unquote light washing can really lead teachers to overly emphasize things like forgiveness, gratitude, and good vibes is everything. And that's gotten us into a messy place in society because we need to be having uncomfortable conversations like all the time about ourselves, about the state of the world, about our relationships, and just owning that so we can actually heal this world and change it and live, like I said, authentically and from a place of integrity. So Shadow work is very important for you as your individual, but it's also very important for your relationships. And it's very important, I believe, on the much bigger level, politically, socially, changing, you know, the course of history. I mean, you know, shadow work and not owning this part of ourselves is like just how we got here. And by here, I mean the messy, the messy parts of life. Because the truth of the matter is when we're taught that you know, we're the only ones who carry this feeling about ourselves, that we're 
fuck up or that we're dirty or depraved or that we're greedy or lazy or selfish or that we're unlovable or that we're, you know, that we're not smart, that we're too emotional. We begin to think that we're the only ones who feel that way, first of all. And then we're also suppressing that so hard down that we just really begin to feel alienated and alone and isolated. And that just pulls us deeper into our own world. So how do we begin to tap into our shadow? How do we begin to find out where, who this other part of, our, of ourselves is? Who are they? What's, what's their deal? So I'm going to recommend, again, like this is something we could do a whole workshop on. I'm just going to recommend a few things just to start, to start, to get the ball rolling. All right. Okay. So first we want to understand, you know, I love my archetype works. So back to Carl Jung, problematic, whatever, was really into archetypes, which helps us really understand ancient forms of innate human knowledge, how they're passed down to us. And archetypes, they're just things that we aren't like formally taught, but we absorb archetypal energy around us through everything from, again, biblical stories like I was just talking about, mythology, science, storytelling, philosophy, ethics, fairy tales, all of the most powerful ideas in history go back to archetypes. Jung talks about in this book, The Structure of the Psyche. So one, I want you to think about this. One, there's the persona, how you interact with people and who you present to the world. That's your mask, the persona. Two, this is from Carl Jung, The Dark Shadow. This is the descent, the process to the disowned self, the lower, the hidden self that we might not be aware of, that we're like definitely beginning this journey of tapping back into as of right now. And then three, there's the golden shadow. So this is the, all of that, like I said, that kaleidoscope, that tapestry that we tap into by embracing, integrating, and actualizing with the dark shadow. So it's like withheld courage, hidden talents, passion, creativity, intuition. This is usually the unfulfilled potential that people fail to see or develop because of fear, shame, guilt, lack of risk-taking, lack of self-awareness, self-belief. So again, we have the persona, who you are, the outside world, the dark, I'm going to call it the lower shadow, the lower shadow, and the golden shadow. So just understanding those are the three parts. So the first thing I want you to do is even listening to this, if anything's come up around like the parts of yourself you don't like, start jotting it down, start writing it down. Like I said, the first thing I would say that I have my clients do is a projection work exercise. Because like I said, whatever we deny in ourselves, we will see in others. We will project our shadows onto others. And until we consciously clear it, we're going to keep attracting people that drive us absolutely nuts and that are mirrors to all the things we don't like about ourselves. So thinking of three people that you absolutely cannot stand, and they could be in your life, they could be in your family, your work, they could be celebrities, politicians, the people you cannot stand or that you judge a lot. And then also you can write down three people who you deeply admire, who you're almost even a little jealous of, or just be like, oh God, that person is everything. And the beginning prompt of this is to look at each of those people that you can't stand, that you judge, and trying to figure out like what it is about them and journaling on that. And then same thing with the three people you admire, journaling, what do you admire about them? 
Or what do you wish? Or what are you jealous of? What do you, what do they have that you want? And doing this, you begin to see, and you have to kind of own where you have both of those things within you, but you don't want to admit it. On one side, if you think you know you really don't like someone because they're irresponsible, you have to honor like, where am I irresponsible sometimes in my life? Oh, that person's always, you know, making everything about themselves. Do I do that too sometimes? And just be radically honest with yourself. And then the other three people looking at like, that you admire or maybe even jealous of or think they're so amazing or put them on a pedestal or kind of feel like it's unfair that they get to have everything. Be like, okay, where do I actually have those same gifts or that same potential? Because I'm seeing something in them. This is like another kind of mirror projection that's like, oh yeah, a mirror to your greatness, to your fullness of your potential. And maybe I can be those things if I could just get out of my own way or get out of the limiting belief that I don't deserve that or clear up that blind spot within me that I don't see that part of my potential. And having those lists of those three things and really sitting with them and being really radically honest. You know, the other part of doing shadow work is I would ask all of you to really take on the role of the sacred witness and just observing all of this and just trying to detach from too much judgment or trying to name, shame, or blame people in your lives for why you're like that. Just like, oh, really curious about your patterns, like a detective or like a behavioral scientist. Like, okay, okay, I do that. Interesting. Good to know. Writing it down, jotting it down. As you discover things about yourself that are really uncomfortable, the other part of shadow work that's really pivotal is I want you to almost do an exercise of remembering a memory. I'm going to give an example here, a metaphor. I'm going to paint it out because I'm a very, I like storytelling. I learn better through like metaphor, but realizing that your shadow aspect of yourself, the things that you don't like about you and the things that you created to cover that up or to repress it. When you do this as an adult or, you know, whatever age you are, but if you're here, you're an emotional adult doing this work at least. And be like, okay, I can go back and I can actually have forgiveness and compassion for myself at such a deep and beautiful level because that persona part of me I put on or that hidden shadow I shoved down and blocked the light of my golden shadow, I had to do that to survive. In some ways, it didn't feel safe for me to own like my true self in that moment. And so I did what I had to do. You know, I didn't know better, so I couldn't do better, but now I'm learning and I will modify and change and go back and rescue the kind of that part of me that I tucked away. So what do I mean by this? So an example would be, I always use this story. It was like client a very, very long time ago. And they gave me permission to share this in my workshops. Again, no names or anyone involved, but they grew up in a very, I think it was like Eastern European family And they were very creative and they loved to paint and draw and play the piano. And because their family escaped from Eastern Europe during some really intense times, I think like in the beginning of World War II, there was, you know, just a lot of like stern energy in the house. And there was a lot of, it was very severe, it was very serious. And I guess one day my client, they were very young, told their grandpa that they wanted to be an artist. And the grandpa had his own fear and his story and everything like they came here with nothing and they had to 
start all over again and lots of hardship. So we have to understand a lot of our shadow self, first few times it's created, the first few times it's formed is usually from like a fear or a projection from one of our caretakers, someone that we look to, to guide us and to give us wisdom and to love us. They bring their fears to the table and somehow make us feel like something's wrong with us or that we should be scared. So in this situation, it's like, oh, I'll be an artist. I'm going to paint, you know, that's what I want to do when I grow up. And the immediately the grandpa's like, no, absolutely not. Like almost like yelled at them. They never been yelled at like that by their grandpa. Like, no artists, you're gonna, what are you going to die as a starving artist? Like, no, forget it. That's not, you can't take care of your family. You should go into like be an engineer or do something, you know, that provides value that, you know, like essentially like job security. But like, you know, this grandpa is using some words here, die, starving artist. It's like, whoa, you're like a very like a baby. And so of course my client was just so scared, like shaking from being yelled at and shaking from, again, not feeling enough, not feeling safe, not feeling like they're belonging. So they're just like, okay. And they just start to like shut down that part of them that's creative. And again, it's not conscious. It's unconscious. It's like, oh, that's not, that's not safe. That part of us, that's an artist or that has a desire and a passion to be that way, to be silly and playful and create. And it just slowly, you start to tuck it away. And then the other thing that happens is that this persona, the avatar part of you begins to be more and more rewarded. So they start, you know, every time they come home and talk about how they did well on their science test or that they were really responsible, you know, the grandpa, whoever around them is kind of like, yes, yes, great. And like validating that and accepting that. And over time, before they know it, it's like, okay, well, they've kept saying yes to that route and gone more and more and more over to that direction and further and further away from that true part of their nature. But along the way, that thing that starts as a little hole of like carving out that part of you, the hole gets like bigger as you grow and you start to feel like a void and emptiness inside of you. And that's what my client described, like this achiness and this feeling like I don't feel a hole. You couldn't fill up a void. Nothing could fill it. Nothing could scratch this itch. And it felt like a numbness, a detached energy. And while this was happening, they ended up going to a really good school and going into, I think it was like uh, some kind of, I don't even know it, like aerospace or mechanical engineering program, did really well, but never allowed themselves to have fun or be creative and just, you know, worked harder and harder and harder. Because again, like now these stories, it's not even about the grandpa anymore. It's just the stories in your head and it's what you hear and that's how you're worthy and that's what you know and that's how you're safe is doing that. But all the while they were engaging in some really like self-sabotaging behaviors because like they were still craving that part of themselves that was creative and playful and free, but it was just coming out in kind of all the wrong ways. And it also came out a lot through judgment of others. And of course you attract the thing that you're, you know, that which you resist persists became a very, is a Carl Jung quote. And it's like, well, you're trying to avoid artists and creative types. So for some reason they kept surrounding themselves, especially when they graduated, moved to a city, like all the friends were like artists. So it's also like this thing in you and you're like bitter and you're judgmental looking at them and you're jealous. And then you're also like, oh God, all my artist friends are so flaky and they're never going to like make it. And they're so like, oh, I can't believe that's what they dedicate their life to. And so then they seem really judgmental and kind of like a huge bitch and it's like this whole thing and again this hole is getting bigger and bigger and you keep thinking that okay the the apartment 
the apartment, the good view is going to fill that hole. Nope. Okay. This job's going to fill the hole. Nope. Okay. This partner, that's what's going to do it. That's what's going to fill this hole. Nope. Okay. Fine. Like buying more things, doing drugs, going on big trips, being a boss, making other people feel like shit. Like this is what's going to fill the hole. And of course, as we know, that ain't it. The hole got bigger and bigger was the part of you that you cut out of yourself. So they came to me, long story short, we went back and we did some, you know, soul retrieval work, some integration journaling, but again, like to go down, like through a portal and rescue that beautiful golden shadow part of her that was creative and brilliant and so artistic and so like genius in that way. They kind of have to go through all those layers of the uncomfortable part of them, the part of them that was judgmental, the part of them that was mean to people in her life who was an artist, all the years that she spent denying that part of yourself. And that's a really hard thing to look at is like the ways our regrets and the things that we, you know, the ways we didn't honor ourselves. So when I say like going back in and how uncomfortable this is and why we have to go back and have grace and compassion, like, yeah, that's what I did when I was seven years old. That's what I did when I was five. That's what I did when I was 17 because I didn't know better and I had to put up that armor or I had to hide that part of myself away. It's not about judgment. It's about like, I get it. But you know what? I don't need to do that anymore. I don't need to do that. It's safe here. It's safe for all parts of me to come back in. We've got this. So there's those, you know, journaling prompts are a great start. And then I would look at, you know, astrology. That's why I love astrology because the birth chart provides such a map. I've always thought about doing like a workshop, just a standalone one on this. We kind of talk about it in our Magic of You Astrology course, but your chart is so such a black and white <laughs> blueprint map guide to your soul. It's really helpful for shadow work because it's just right there. You're like, okay, <laughs> that's it. Just reading about it. <laughs> extra, extra, read all about it. So we can just like how the shadow has multiple parts. You want to look at multiple points of your chart, but you can look at your moon is your inner child self and maybe the inner child, like who you are in your core and maybe like reading about what your moon sign needs. You could see like what and what was not, you know, given to you that your moon sign needs and kind of using that as context for what you're going to start to give yourself. Probably of course there's Chiron which is, you know, your deepest wound, but also your most powerful medicine. And your Chiron is like the wound you're born with and the sign, but also looking at the house that it's in is really important. And your Chiron can be where you overcompensate before you have awareness of it. And it's like, it's like the wound that will always follow you until you just, again, embrace it and own it. Black Moon Lilith is like your wounded, quote unquote, feminine energy in your chart. It's where we can carry a lot of rage. It's where we can carry a lot of things around our sexuality. A lot of our relationship healing can be understood. I love Jeff Hinshaw of Cosmic Cousins calls Black Moon Lilith like the queer witch in your chart. So there's a lot to tap into there. It's like, it's very shadowy energy. <laughs> it's super fun. And then looking at your nodes, your North Node, South Node, your North Node is like your destiny line, what you're headed towards. But your south node may help you understand like some of the shadow of that zodiac sign of the south node. Maybe the things that you're really leaving behind or that you did too much of in a past life or that you 
where you can kind of skew, like for me, my own chart, I'm a South Node Sag. And so in a past life, I've been told and from my past lives that I love to study and I love to study old ancient wisdoms, but that I was like kind of a gatekeeper. I was a gatekeeper and I didn't share that wisdom with people and I was very high and mighty and haughty about it. So this lifetime I'm here to like just share all, all the things I know and just do it really accessibly and not be pretentious about it and get out of my ivory tower and just get back down to reality. Humble thy ass and also... Sagittarius in my shadow, my south node is like someone who flees and doesn't like first sign of a relationship not going well. The first sign of a project or a business not going well, you fly, you flee is what someone told me. It totally makes sense. So a lot of my confronting my shadow is like, I have to be here and sit with something and, you know, deal with confrontation or work on myself or figure it out just because something's uncomfortable. doesn't mean I get to just leave. So that's my, I love talking about my own shadow, putting myself on blast. We can go so much deeper if you want. So the journal prompts, looking at those parts in your chart, your moon, your Chiron, your black moon Lilith, and then your nodes, your north node, south node. Those are big. Again, there's even more things that we get to do. Okay. But that's a great start. And then the last thing I really tell everyone, and this is where all my clients have that aha moment, that light bulb goes off that I talked about. And this one, you might be like, Maddie, this is kind of silly, but it's true. It's a big one. I want you to name your shadow, all right? Once you love it, what's in that bag? What are their personality? What are they like? You know, now I want you to be like, really name them. And that makes them so much more real to you. And it makes them an understanding of this whole archetype and this part of you that's very real. And what it does at a more energetic, shamanic, almost like as a ritual level to me is it immediately acknowledges their existence. And it's like, you're not invisible anymore. You're not invisible anymore. I see you. I have a name for you. Again, pull up a chair. You have a seat at my table. We got some talking to do. We got some talking to do because you've been making me do some wild things, but I'm ready to acknowledge you. What do you need from me? What do you need from me? And that shadow side, think about the times when you're ignored. Think about how powerless you feel. Think about how hurt and rejected you feel when you're being ignored. Or even think about like a teenager, how, why so many teenagers act out is because they don't feel seen or respected or heard or understood. And, you know, it's like almost like a trope in a movie. It's like the goth, punk, rock and roll, quote unquote, bad girl, bad boy destroying things and all they want is just someone to pay attention and listen to them and then they completely melt right and completely just like turn to little like little kittens again little children and that's how i feel about the shadow our shadow self like once you name that version of you be like okay let's talk they stop the temper tantrums they stop i'm sorry not even like a bad way temper tantrum but they stop the self-sabotaging they stop it's like all right okay cool we're having a relationship now and then you can begin to really talk to them. And like, what does this version of me need right now? I'm really frustrated. My boss just completely undermined me on a Slack channel in front of all my coworkers. And normally I would just shove that right down. But it's like, no, my shadow. What's her name? Bella? Bella? What does Bella need? Bella's like, fuck that bitch. <laughs> Needs to go scream in her car. And that's important because 
when we're not acknowledging Bella, we're just like, I'm fine, but we're not fine. We shove it all down and then maybe we take it out on something. We take it out on someone, you know, in traffic on the way home. We take it out on our sister. We take it out on our partner. But it's like just being like, you know what? Bella feels disrespected right now and angry and like just wants to say it and doesn't want to apologize doesn't want to be, you know, the good girl, doesn't want to be like the team player, doesn't want to be the corporate. Mm -hmm. Yes, I just um, got that, copied that uh, as per your last email. I'm on that, boss. It'll be like, no, fuck that. I'm angry. And just by acknowledging that, again, it's owning your wholeness. It's not slicing off a part of you and denying it. (laughs) So naming your shadow allows you to like really ask like, okay, what is that version of me need? that name? What do they need from me right now? What are they feeling? And it may sound silly, but I swear to you, it's such a powerful exercise. Okay. So let me know if you want more info on shadow work. I, this is why I didn't want to do the um, mailbags. I wanted to jump in. We're at an hour mark here and there's still, that is just scratching the tip of the iceberg. So if you also want like a workshop, this is the one thing that I'm like, I would love to go deeper on like a four-hour workshop or something because I just am I'm so passionate. I believe in this work so 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 much. It's so pivotal in like your journey to really becoming. So I hope that whatever, you know, if you're beginning shadow work, you've been doing it for a while, my prayer is just that this helps remind you of your richness and your depth who you are and your wholeness and reminds you of your luminosity and that in your luminosity is the lightness and the darkness woven through you is what gives it depth and texture, and beauty, and you are already perfect, and worthy, and enough, and deserving, just as you are. It is your birthright to live in your wholeness. You are not put on this earth to play small, or to be a shell of yourself, okay? And that, I want you to remember that. I want you to tell yourself that, and I want you to talk to your shadow, and tell them that, all right? And let me know how it goes. Slide into my DMs. Tell me your name of your shadow. Tell me what you thought about this. Come find me at I am Maddie Murphy. Tag us in things at the Cosmic RX. And I will see you next time. Do you love getting your Cosmic RX for the week here and want more? Make sure to sign up for our premium subscription so you can get exclusive access to bonus podcast episodes, all of my astrology info for the month ahead, and live new and full moon calls to help you manifest your dream life with an intentional international community of other Cosmic Baddies. Sign up through our link in show notes. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. If you want to know more about Cosmic RX, head on over to thecosmicrx.com. And if you really love this show, I'd love it if you left a rating and review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts. I super love hearing from you and reading your reviews. All right, you Cosmic Baddie, tune in next week. And until then, remember, love yourself fully, work your magic, and take no shit.